I actually don't need to say your name at all, so I guess we'll just get started. Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that connects people navigating STI stigma to mental health resources. This podcast features the lived experiences of people who are, I don't want to say struggling with, who are just living with the herpes simplex virus, right? So, um... We talk about their experiences from their diagnosis to disclosures to navigating the stigma, dating, sex, other STIs, and everything on the spectrum of that. So today's guest, whoo, you finished the group therapy. Yes, I did. I'm so happy. So um, I mentioned that something positive for positive people, we connect people to mental health resources. So what we're doing is with the money that we're raising, we're able to pay for people to get therapy, 12 sessions. And this previous uh, cohort, it was a cohort. This was the first one that we did that was ongoing. There were 12-ish people, 12 people who were originally signed up. um, And there were 12 sessions. They met once a week. And they met with one of our licensed mental health professionals that uh, facilitated the support groups. So I would like for you to, ooh, I just remembered that you told me that you had a very like intense herpes story. So let me preface this episode with trigger warning. Um, And let's just start out with how the uh, support group was for you. Like, what was that like for you being in group therapy? Well, let's just say I'm really sad that it's over. (laughs) It was, it, I think I feel like I've never felt more supported with my diagnosis than being in a support group. And yeah, I had a really great time that we, you know, I don't, I really enjoyed it. I wish we could still, you know, just go on forever, but we can't. Yeah. I had a really good time. Good, good. And I mean, if it were to go on forever, like... I guess that would be a good thing because you have those lifelong relationships and friendships that were built. Um, remind me after this, I have to get you um, the information. If you want to stay connected to everybody, there's a, a thing I'm doing. So just remind me oh. to remind you about that thing I'm doing for the people who've completed group therapy. All right. All right. So what you I guess uh, let's start with like what were some of your highlights from group therapy? Well, overall, okay, so let's just say before I went to group therapy, I didn't really have very much support in general. So, of course, when I first got diagnosed, um, I didn't, every time I told someone, I would, I feel like I would either be pitied or like people want to want me to educate them. So it was really nice to be in a space where it's like, we all kind of just, you know, we're we're in the same boat. So it was so supportive. And it, I was like, I haven't felt that supported and it really, and I really enjoyed supporting other people too. So that was a highlight just overall, you know, just like we all come from different walks of life, but we all just, um, we could just relate on that level. I was just, it was just really, really comforting in general. Just like, I'm not alone in the world, you know? Yeah. So I think that was probably the number one thing that I would say. Have you not been a part of any other support groups for people with HSV? I well, I've been a part of you know some like Facebook groups in the past a little bit, and then uh, yeah, probably that's about it. Probably about a couple Facebook groups, but uh, I didn't. I usually would join and then 
and then quit right away because you know it was like a lot of first you know when people first get diagnosed and then they just you know then they're so sad it's just like kind of the same thing and it was just nice to be with people that were kind of like were like i don't know experienced herpes people you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so yeah um in navigating those two types of groups you said you join and then leave right away because of the it, it seems like venting that takes place in a lot of the yeah. herpes support groups people come in it's yeah. the worst thing that's ever happened to me i'm newly diagnosed yeah. no one's gonna love me and just seeing that over and over again can be traumatizing or re-traumatizing oh, and re-triggering for you yeah oh for sure because you know i i understand too because i was definitely there of course you know um i've i think i've talked a little bit to you about what happened when I got diagnosed so I don't know if you want me to discuss that I can for sure yeah go ahead Um, so so I'll just say it right out flat a lot of people that I you know that I've heard of come across like online and maybe even support groups have said they got diagnosed with HSV um, because someone had cheated and brought it back. And that's how they found out that they had been cheated on. And that's how they found out that they had herpes. Well, yay, I'm that person. <laughs> I I was the cheater. So um, I was in a long-term relationship with a person. And um, we have a family, everything. And, and I have to say it was, it was very immature, toxic, and definitely very abusive. Um, and at the time I didn't have a lot of coping skills in general as a human being. So, um, I chose to be unfaithful to my partner and of course, and like everybody else, I didn't know that you can still catch HSV if you use a condom. (laughs) So yeah, so I, I, uh, cheated on my partner, came home and, um, that's how he found out that I was cheating on him because I caught HSV and I gave it to him. So, um, after that, yeah, it was really bad. Not only was that, you know, I was just diagnosed. It was the same thing, end of the world. But at the same time, I did that to someone else. So, and on top of that, there was abuse. Um, and so we stayed together for, I think maybe five or six more years after that. And that was a really good way of keeping me in the relationship was, um, to bring, you know, to, to bring that up almost on a daily basis you know what i mean so uh yeah that's how that's how i caught hsp <laughs> but uh yeah we were so i got it right in the middle of my relationship so i don't know we stayed together for so much longer after that and um there were other reasons why i left but eventually i left and so after that happened after I left, it was like I was freshly diagnosed because when I first got it, I was with a partner and we stayed together for that long amount of time. So once I was single again, not only there was like so much shame, just even on top of the way I got it and what I, you know, what I did to another person. So I feel like this support group was a really good time for me because, I, you know, I've been on my own for a little while and um, it's just so much shame, so many layers of just stuff that, you know, I've had to um work through yeah and what ended this relationship for y'all because you had herpes and you stayed together for a while so what was it that drove y'all apart well I would like probably just resentment in general that definitely fueled it but because it was an abusive relationship 
um, the abuse just got worse and worse, uh, especially after this happened, right? So the abuse was was bad. I had to I had to leave, and then there was also drugs involved. So yeah, I had to leave just for my own safety. At, you know, and definitely the herpes was used in the abuse almost daily. Do you feel like you're at a place where you can talk to us a little bit about the abuse that you experienced and how that changed after your herpes diagnosis? And I ask this um, because if you're not in a good place to talk about it, please don't. But the reason that I want to hear from you what this experience was and share this with the audience is so that people understand what abuse also looks like. And if people are like, oh, you know, I haven't been abused before and think that just because someone didn't swing at you or punch you, that it's not really abuse. Like, I know that there are aspects of your story that illustrate this point in a way that it'll help a lot of other people. But if you're not okay with that, we can move on. Oh, yeah, I could probably touch on a little bit. So definitely, of course, um, my partner would say things like, you, you ruined my life. Um, you did this to me. You know, now I will never have a life. And also, you can never leave me now, you know. And so even before this, there's accusations of cheating when I didn't. And so, of course, because it's like I proved that I was a cheater. So it was it was constantly reminded that I was a cheater. I ruined the, the person's life. Um, so that was like used to control control me so I wouldn't leave. Um, also sexually, there was some abuse too there where, um, if the person, he like could not perform sexually and he blamed it on me because I was disgusting and dirty. And so that was, there was like sexual abuse there. And also there was other types of sexual assaults that happened and, um, just a lot of like verbal abuse, um, and the drug use too was used because he said that it was my fault and that this is why he had to do the things that he did. This is, I was killing him. Um, that the drug use was because of me, because I was unfaithful and I, I ruined his life by giving him herpes and yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, off the top of my head that went on for probably, yeah, five or six years okay. daily. And when you say that the herpes, like, things ramped up after your herpes diagnosis like what did abuse look like from that perspective well from my point of view i i took it as i it was i deserved it you know what i mean like before that i had i wanted to leave and i tried to leave but after i feel like i i proved that i was not a worthy human being and I deserve the punishment that I was getting from this from my spouse so it's like at a deep core level along with like you know the shame of herpes stigma there was also the shame of like of of feeling like I deserve this because you know I went out and and did and cheated right so for me that's what changed so it was like I knew that I deserved you know what I got the treatment that I got so that's probably the most the, the thing that changed the most. And then of course, <clears throat> because because I knew it was true at the time that I didn't deserve love and I deserved this treatment, the treatment got worse and worse and I just stuck around because I thought I deserved to be punished. Oh. Until until of course, you know, it got so bad that I, I had to leave or I think I my life might be over. 
Earlier, did you mention that y'all have a family? Yes, we have we have kids together. Ooh, okay. So I'm only gonna I I can only imagine that that made things a lot more complicated. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was I was the bad guy for sure. Yeah. In my home. Okay. Um, but now, I mean, I'm assuming that everything's okay. Like, has anything resurfaced between you, or like, what's your relationship like now? Well you've asked because we have kids together so they you know they go to visit and that's basically it right it's just you know we don't really talk which is which is really good but I think because our relationship went on so long it was like went on probably we were together for I think 15 years it went on probably 14 years too long (laughs) so by the time it was over you know I think we were kind of really sick of each other all right (laughs) So, so let me let me get let me I want to, yeah, let's, let's go here. All right. So okay, sure, do it. you cheat, get herpes, and then you stay with your partner, your, um, your, uh, I don't want to use baby daddy, but that, <laughs> and yeah. you say that this relationship lasted 14 years longer than it should have. How is it that the abuse that came after herpes. Now, granted, you felt like you deserved the treatment that you were getting because you, quote, ruined everything, ruined the family, I guess we would say. Yeah. How did you allow for a relationship to go on beyond what it should have for 14 years? Oh, dang. The way I was raised. So, you know, I come from a family that, you know, like my parents, they did the same thing. So it's like, it's, you know, I'm the oldest kid too. So it's like, I'm going to make it work. So, and also they would break up and get back together so often and we would move so often and we, you know, we would run away, move to a different school and then come back. And then it was like so much of this that I didn't want to do that to my kids. And so, you know, I was like diehard. I was determined. You know what I mean? Like, no, I'm going to make it work. And also on top of that, I think maybe a little bit of religious undertones too, and also, um, you know, control and abuse. So that's how, that's my recipe for um, the opposite of success. <laughs> yeah. Was this your first time cheating? Yes. And dang, okay. I was going to ask if you had any experience with STIs prior to this. Um, when I, before my relationship, I, uh, with, I got HPV that, you know, good old HPV that everyone has. Yeah, I got that. Okay. Oh, yeah. Why? That was so casual of you to be able to say, yeah, I got HPV, but, you know, HSV is like one letter difference and it, oh, my I God. Know. I know. Oh, my herpes. God. No. I know. And it's funny because HSV is so, so, what would I say? It's, it's not, it doesn't affect your health. So, you know, we all know this good old stigma, right? But yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. So it sounds like you've dealt with a few different stigmas, not just like dealing with your STI status, but also like uh, your religion stigma and your beliefs about relationship stigma. Um, Did the relationship become abusive after herpes or had it always been and it was more subtle or what? I think it was it was definitely I would say because, you know, I'm 35 right now and we were together for 15 years and I've been single for two. So we were together since I was basically a kid. And so I think at the beginning we were just kind of like, you know, we're really just immature. 
and maybe still, but like at the beginning, it was just very immature, very emotionally immature. And so we were kind of like playing house. Right. But it became controlling and then like really controlling and then herpes. Well, there was blaming before that, right? Like you're going to cheat on me. Where are you going? You know, who are you dressing up for? You know, you know, all that classic stuff. And then after the herpes is when like actual, like verbal abuse, mental abuse, you know, and at the very end, a little bit of physical abuse happened. So yeah, I think before that it was just like, which is probably still abuse, Mm -hmm. which is just like a lot of controlling. You uh, also mentioned some sexual abuse, and then you mentioned that uh, what I heard you say was basically that he couldn't get hard performance issues, right? Was that it? Um, How does abuse look in a sexual relationship where the male partner is unable to perform? I think just because there was it was there was mental and psychological abuse there because he's he, he would tell me he couldn't perform because of me because I was disgusting you know and and because I ruined his life so it was like it was mostly just like psychological mental and, and verbal okay. based on based on that all right so like we're talking about like you initiating sex or him initiating sex and then just it's it's not happening and he yeah. talks down to you because yeah. of it and is like this my absence of an erection is your fault you did this yeah. so it's yeah. just that psychological manipulation oh yes okay um how was the forgiveness process like not just from him to you but from you to him because you stayed together after this happened not only did you cheat but you also passed him pass herpes on to him from cheating so what was the forgiveness process there it was not good like i feel like because that's a huge thing right because not only was trust broken like deep trust in a relationship like a monogamous relationship it was like all the shame it was it didn't go very well and that's what i was saying i think because of that there was so much resentment that built up and i basically shut down and said okay you know i deserve it and then it ramped up his because you know he was trying to express the way he felt too right like that's you know betrayal so i i don't think forgiveness happened it would just it just got worse and worse and then because now we're not together i think now we have time to finally like work through those things on our own. So we haven't really been able to, you know, work together on that while we are together for sure. I think it's kind of just like a lone process, you know, after the fact. Yes. Uh, I forgot the question I was about to ask you just completely lost it. Um, (laughs) well, I guess, nope. Ah, I'm so mad at myself for having lost it. Oh, it's probably a good one, too. Eh, I, I don't know. I think it was something that would have probably warranted a little bit of rambling. <laughs> um, <laughs> here's a good point to, like, get to the um, group therapy, I guess. We can just segue uh-huh. into that. Like, I'm curious to know if you learn things in group therapy that you wish that you would have known upon diagnosis. Oh, my God. Yeah, so many. Okay, just for one, we talked a lot about boundaries and values. And, you know, just in general in life, I that would have been great, you know? So I, we were talking about HSV and group, but of course, there's it, it goes beyond that, right? We're talking about, like, 
not having boundaries, you know, like I didn't have any boundaries ever in my life. You know, I came from a very codependent family dynamic, right? So, you know, I didn't even know what a boundary was. Like one time I was in a mom's group and they talked about this book called Boundaries, but I was like, oh, what's a boundary? <laughs> and I was like back in the day and then after that, whatever, right? Went home and just had no boundaries. But, you know, when we talked about that in group, that was like, Wow. And, you know, being single a little, you know, I've been on my own for two years now. It's been a really good chance to kind of work on my boundaries. But here's the thing that I've never really thought about until group is values. Like one time I was listening to your podcast, you were talking about values. It's like, wow, it's just, you know, what an adult. And so we talked about that a lot in group. And I was like, you know, I'm really still kind of curious about values. And, you know, I probably have some, but that's one thing I'm, I'm working on a lot, just, you know, on a personal development you know, perspective in general. So was that, did that answer your question? I don't even remember, but yeah, yeah. I, boundaries and values. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm determined. <laughs> um, yeah. Boundaries and values are things that I've learned more about through exploring sex positivity, BDSM and kink. And the more that I get into it, the more I lean into the information that's being presented and available, the more I see like the way that I've learned BDSM as an adult is the exact same way that we should be able to teach it to adolescents. And I say that because when we talk about BDSM, the the prerequisites or the pre-negotiations uh, aspects, you're gauging someone, getting to know them, and you're communicating your boundaries with them. You're asking for what you need. You're saying no sometimes probably. You're expected to receive a no very healthily and well and you want to be able to recognize and identify abusers and get them up out of there asap right yeah. so we're us omitting these aspects of the conversation with our youth we're setting up our youth to be not only boundaryless kids but they're going to turn into boundaryless adults and without those boundaries what ends up happening is you don't know what your boundaries are so subconsciously you're communicating that on a regular basis and everyone you interact with is kind of doing the same thing you're influencing one another's behaviors without probably even knowing that you're doing so right so when we can get to a place where like our adults are comfortable with talking about our bodies and what those body functions are and then talk about like energetically, hey, here's how you have a healthy relationship. Then we run into significantly less incidents, not just like um, not just like miscommunication incidents, not just sexual assault, not just verbal abuse or physical abuse, but like all of that stuff that uh, comes around it as well, like drama within friendships, disconnects in relationships, disconnects uh, between yourself and your place of employment. We have got to be able to get these boundaries in place and uh -huh. just bringing it back full circle. Like as an adult, I know that I can take boundaries conversations into any interaction that I have. If someone wants to talk about politics and I'd rather just not talk about politics and I kind of have a feel for how that conversation will go with them, I just decide, hey, you know, um, I like that you want to connect with me and that you want to do so in regards to politics, but that's not my jam right now. Or like, I'd rather not talk about that, not in this place, right? So me just seeing how valuable 
boundaries are that I've had to learn as an adult man from BDSM and kink, being able to pull that out of there and take it into my everyday life. And even in my one-on-one sexual relationships, boundaries are transferable. They translate. They translate very, very well, no matter what it is that you are setting boundaries around or what you're asking for, what you're saying no to, or requesting, um, or, or what you're being told no about. It's, it's interesting too, like as an adult, you know, because I, I, I started having kids when I was 20 years old and so, you know, have no boundaries. And all of a sudden, you know, like 15 years later, I'm like, okay, I have these adolescent children. I don't have boundaries. I don't know what you know heck, the heck I'm doing. But then all of a sudden, I have these adolescent kids. So it's like I have to play catch up because now I have to teach these kids, you know, boundaries or something, right? So it's just like a lot, a lot, you know. Not only is it me and boundaries with myself and with my relationships, but teaching my my kids too. So then when they are adults, you know, they have respect for themselves, respect for others also, right? And they can have healthy relationships. So it's just like a little bit of pressure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I also want to know what was the facilitator like? Like what were your thoughts on the facilitator of your group therapy session? Well, I thought she was really chill i it sometimes i have some it, it takes me a while to warm up in general i'm really good with like casual conversations you know when i'm like sitting around outside you know stuff like that but it's it's hard for me especially in zoom you know i'm not i don't go on zoom or whatever very often but she was very chill so i felt at home and i felt like i could share you know what i mean so i i felt like she really made us feel comfortable and it was really great too I don't know if I can say this but she was also HSV positive so it was great because we we knew that well I knew that well, I'm sure all of us knew that she could also relate to us on this same you know it wasn't just someone sitting there you know just like I see I understand but she actually she she did right so I really I really enjoyed her a lot Good, good. Now, do you feel like you could have gotten the same thing out of a therapist who did not share their HSV status? No. Yeah, (laughs) that's what I was thinking, too. So I wonder, because a lot of people that I've spoken to with a therapist have not told their therapist that they have herpes, but they'll tell me and they'll they'll be willing to pay for a therapist themselves um, and having two therapists just so that they have one therapist that they can talk to about their HSV diagnosis. And so yeah. I just thought that was really, I thought that was interesting there. Yeah. And you know, like, it, there's, when you tell someone that doesn't have it, you there's always this aspect that they, they don't understand. You know what I mean? Or like, I can always pick up on someone just kind of like, oh, you poor thing. It's like, you know, that's very disempowering. You know what I mean? So it's, it's just nice that, you know, if somebody knows how it is they're not going to give you like oh you you know oh how could somebody have done that to you or oh oh i feel so sorry for you like no frig off yeah (laughs) god you know so it's just it's nice to like you know be on the same page especially with a professional right it's like makes it more real and i i personally can connect to that more Mm, i appreciate that i like that and then was the sharing that took place uh, was any of it too much or was there anything that was triggering for you that came up while you were in the meeting 
uh, or when you were in the group meetings, whether it be something that someone else said or whether you witnessed it um, yourself? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so. Um, I think at the beginning a little bit, I was thinking about the ways in which I, I got herpes and, and gave it to my partner. I, it, you know, that came up a little bit, but not anything that anyone was said particularly. Um, yeah, it, it was really great. I find, I th- oh man, we could have talked so much longer. Oh, and I just really, I loved hearing what everyone had to say. It was it was really encouraging and I, I appreciate that everyone was at different stages in their journey. Like, you know, some of the people were newer to diagnosis. So, you know, cause you know, I, I think I've had it probably around, around the same amount of time that you have like eight years or uh, six years, I don't know, something, yeah, but, um, you know, I'm kind of like an old, an old pro. So, uh, it was, it was, you know, some of the people were newer. So I, I felt really happy to, kind of encourage and just give my experience just to encourage people right or people that had better um experience with with um disclosures oh man it was just everything was so valuable just everybody's perspectives it really helped me out with my own thought processes right it's like you know when you're going along in life and then someone just says something that you need to hear at the time there was just so much of that every minute so oh it was just great Mm -hmm. we could have talked for hours but you know we had to get through it yeah, yeah. And I just can't thank you enough because that was the first one. There's going to be many more. Um, now that I have an idea what this looks like, we can present it in different ways. So I'm pumped. I'm thrilled. I'm excited. Let's make this happen. Uh, well, I'm so appreciative. It was a really, really good experience. And I didn't even realize how much support that I actually needed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was really amazing and I don't know how everyone else felt but I felt like we kind of just became a little family and it was it was just really nice to encourage other people that are going through the same thing you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and another thing you know I feel like a lot of times when we think about herpes we're thinking about our interpersonal relationships right and I didn't realize for a long time it's like I'm I don't even have a very good relationship with myself and so through this journey especially like with the group support, like the support group, we're talking about disclosure and all of these things. I realized like, you know, I need to have a better relationship with myself before, you know, I can go out and have these conversations or have relationships with other people, you know? So at the end of the whole thing, I really came to the conclusion that what I'm going to do is just focus on loving myself and, you know, having a good relationship with myself. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, the RuPaul thing. (laughs) (laughs) The quote from RuPaul, I could say. But yeah, yeah. Um, I can only imagine that if you're invited to share, like, oh, how were you diagnosed, blah, 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 that you would be met with uh, resistance or like just a little bit of resentment because you're the one who cheated and went out here and had sex and brought it back to your partner, right? Yeah. So I guess like, how did how did it feel? Was there any discomfort around you being perceived as the bad guy for doing to someone exactly what other people in that room might have had done to them? Yeah, you know what that you know, I'm glad that you said that because I think that um, that's what triggered me is somebody was talking about the way they were diagnosed, and I it's like I know the other side to that. I'm not sure if I actually shared it in group because I 
you know, I, I want to be there to support, right? But at the same time, it's like, I'm the villain too. But I, you know, I don't, I don't want to like trigger other people. But um, that's probably something that I would probably save for a private session. Because, you know, I don't, I don't want to read, tra- like, trigger, traumatize others either, right? But yeah, it definitely would, I'm, I know for sure that people would definitely have some resentment or, you know, rightly so. Everyone's entitled to whatever they feel, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you, do you feel like you got anything out of this? Like, I know you said boundaries and values, but in relation to herpes, though, because what I'm hearing here is that there's so much other things that are more prevalent than our HSV status. So when you were, um, I guess when you were, uh, When you were in the group, like, did you feel as if herpes was even a big deal? Uh, I don't know. Yes and no. Okay. Talk to me. Uh, Let's think. So, you know, we all know the stigma is the biggest fucking deal, right? But, uh... (laughs) Oh, God. But, uh, no, I feel like it's just a sim. You know, it's herpes just brings up all the other things that you have to get through. You know what I mean? It's like, and I, I've come to know now that I, I feel kind of lucky and blessed that this happened to me because it's like it forced me to look within, right? And so when we're talking about all these things in group, it, it, I really start looking within and, you know, all, like, all the self-love stuff. I don't know. I kind of, I did a, I did a Courtney thing. I kind of forgot what I was talking about. Yeah. I forgot the question I was just about to ask. <laughs> oh, you forgot the question that you were going to ask. Yeah, except, oh, okay. except it was the answer that I was going to present. <laughs> so, I guess, like, I think I've created this misconception that if people enroll in therapy, it's for herpes. And that isn't the case at all. Whenever I reach out to people and I'm trying to get them enrolled, it's just because, you know, um, a handful of people have been following me for a round. Some rapport has been built. And, uh, yeah, so, like, I also just, let me see. I think that they believe that because it's therapy for people with herpes, that it's exclusively about herpes. And they're like, oh, I don't have a problem with my herpes. But even that statement has a little bit of an avoidant undertone to it. So it's yeah. like, I don't have to deal with this. So I'm not going to deal with this. Uh-huh. But it's like once, you know, at the beginning, right, you get the news and you're devastated. My life is over. No one's going to love me. You know, I have no future. And, you know, you kind of sit with those feelings and you go through it a little bit or a lot. <laughs> and then eventually kind of, you know that phase hopefully you heal from that phase but then you get down to the all the other stuff you know what i mean and so it's like herpes kind of forces you to do that right because it's like a lot of us we put our our emphasis on our external relationships or the our sexuality and you know our our roles you know what i mean so it's like all of these things have been turned around and you have to kind of like look at like well 
what do I really believe? What is really my worth? Because my body isn't, that's not all my worth, right? My sexuality and, you know, especially when with me and being on my own for a couple of years, you know, trying to do this dating thing, I realized like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't treat myself very kindly because I'm, I'm trying to go with people that don't respect, you know, when I tell them they, it's like all of a sudden they don't want anything to do with me. Well, wh- well, why am I going with these people anyway? So I have to look at that too. Right. And it's like, well, I need to treat myself in a more kind way. Right. Or why am I looking to be with people that aren't going to appreciate me for who I am rather than what I represent, you know, as an object to them. Right. So it's just like, thank you herpes, because I don't even know if that I would have maybe when I'm, I don't know about 80, I could have came to these conclusions, but look at me herpes. It's uh, it's like a fast track. <laughs> yeah, it is. And um, that the herpes, I say is so many different things. Like I think it's a launch pad to sex education. I think it's wow. a great filter for weeding out your partners because if you got it just because you have it now doesn't mean that not having it was such a major contributor to whether or not you would have found your person you know what i mean or your people so because you are now equipped with this tool this bs detector right you now know yep. you now are so much closer to getting to your person because they're either not going to care or they're going to have it too. So it's as simple as that. And realistically speaking, your chances of rejection are probably one out of three because you may get the response of um, me too or tell me, no more, tell me more or no, I don't want anything to do with that. And I think yeah. that those are just like the main um, the main outcomes that someone who's living with herpes can expect to receive from someone who may not even know what their old status is yeah and we give way too much credit to them you know it goes back to the values and boundaries you can't see values you can't see boundaries but they're they're a necessity right and um with with herpes, it is something that's on the surface and it's seen. So it's much easier to point the finger at that, at the herpes, than it is to actually sit, breathe, and like feel into your body and feel into your emotional body and go, huh, this this doesn't like serve me, right? So being able to have these values, being able to have these boundaries and having them together as a result of, you know, having gone through your group therapy and hearing about values and boundaries from other people, because I sat in on the last session and that was uh, something that they talked about very briefly and mantras. I think that it expands our perspective and an opportunity. It gives us more of an opportunity for us to grow and develop by hearing other people articulate in their own language, the hearing the exact same thing. Because uh-huh. it may sound different to someone and it may be said in a way that resonates differently for someone else. Yeah. Oh, and there was so much of that that happened. It was it was really amazing. Yeah. Um, I was curious to know like what would happen if um, for me, I'm, I'm super paranoid about if I lead a support group and someone, you know, feels really safe and empowered to share and they share something that's just really heavy and really unfortunate, like perhaps having experienced childhood sexual abuse. Right. If someone were to share that in a room, 
Are they going to be met with stares that make them feel like, oh my God, I shouldn't have shared that. I should keep this to myself. I should never tell anyone this. This was stupid, 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 punch themselves in the head. Or are they going to be met with, you know, support and healing and the professional guidance and responses that uh, they should get? Um, or oh, what was the other part? Oh, or a bystander, someone in the room who's hearing this and becoming damaged even more and becoming more triggered because of it. So, like, it's important for me to have and know a licensed mental health professional is on these calls for the HSV support groups, because this is just like that. These are this is the nature of this field, because sexual health and mental health are so interconnected and the way that we view sex is often something that stems from the mind, past experiences, future hopes. Um, and yeah, that that's, I'm rambling now. Go ahead. If you had anything to add to that. Well, all I can do is I think hold space. Um, and yeah, I definitely appreciate like a professional, right? Cause that's, there's a lot of heaviness and, and, you know, I think everybody needs the, the space and, the support and the love to work through things that like that, if, you know, especially if it's in a group setting, I know in our group, you know, people would share and it was really nice because then everybody would offer encouraging experiences or, you know, just encouragements. Like we love you. And it was, it was just, it was really, really great to see that. And it was really great to just like feel the love. You know what I mean? It was like really good energy, good healing in general, like together, you know, Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, you know, I people need people, right? And it, it's just, it's really easy to just isolate, especially with something like this. But you know, there's so many people out there that are going through the same thing, and so it's like you can just be alone together, and it's and it's it, you know, it's just really, it's really magical. Yeah, alone but together. Yes. Sounds like a podcast episode title. Yeah. <laughs> Um, do you have any last bits of anything, information or details that you want to share? Even if, um, even if we like, if you could go back and give yourself like a little piece of advice, you know, what do you, what do you have for us? I would, a piece of advice that I give myself would be run away, (laughs) run away. No, (laughs) you know, I would, I would say in general to everyone out there, just like, you know, you're not alone. You're so amazing, you know, and it's going to be okay. And if if I was like to my old little, my old little self back in the day, I would just say, you know, you're loved, you're going to get through this. And you're a magical person, you know, all this, you know, this doesn't define you because it doesn't. Right. And, and like, it's kind of, we're kind of lucky because we have this thing that's going to help us to love ourselves, to value ourselves more. So that's, I don't know. I might be weird, you know, like, and in my story, I'm kind of like the villain in my story, but it's like that stuff that I really had to work through. Right. Like, cause we all know the shame that we feel at the beginning and, you know, but whew, working through that. Yeah. Oh my, my God. Yeah. <laughs> And I, and then, you know, you work through all that and you're like, man, I'm a champion. So mm-hmm. it's just, you know, we need to give ourselves credit and be kind to ourselves too, because it takes a while. Even if you are the bad guy, you know, we still all deserve to have a good life and, you know, self-love and to have good relationships where you're treated with 
with magic and love by, you know, by someone or, you know, whoever you're with. Amen. I guess that's probably all I have to say. <laughs> all right. Well, I thank you so much for making the time for this call today and being able to let me record this and share this out there with the world. You participating in this along with everybody else has really meant a lot to me personally so that I can feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Like we're on the natural trajectory of where I want something positive for positive people to be. So hopefully we can launch another cohort for people who are living with HSV to be able to get uh, the same therapy that you were able to get. Yeah, and I definitely encourage if people can participate to do so, even if you don't think that you need to. It's just, it's a really, it's such a great, a great thing that you did for sure. Like, I, I feel like I've gained a lot from you, just personally, you know, it was a really amazing experience. So I'm, I appreciate it, Courtney. I thank you. Thank you. All right, that concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, share, subscribe to this podcast, and of course, donate to the nonprofit by the same name. We're paying for people donate. to get therapy. Yes, we are paying for get people, or we are paying for people to receive therapy. Um, every donation counts, all of it. Um, if you're someone who can make a donation, please do. Please consider it. Visit www.spfpp.org. Again, that's spfpp.org. Till next time, stay sex positive.